1: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Long Shot Podcast, brought to you by 342 Productions. I am your host, Duncan Robinson, here in Miami, boots on the ground, in the flesh, with Davis Patrick Reed in our makeshift studio. Uh, Davis, how are we doing?
0: I'm I'm doing really, really well. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Happy to be back in our makeshift studio. Happy to be here in Miami. Um, I'm great. Really, no complaints. No complaints. In good health. Fully vaccinated, which is yes. exciting. You and I both. Here comes summer.
1: Still somewhat distanced, uh, yeah. just to be safe. But
0: slightly closer than yeah. normal, though. Like you've yeah. you've come a foot and a half closer yeah. this way.
1: At least for those watching on YouTube, which um, is exciting. If you're listening on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, we actually encourage you to to tune in on YouTube <laughs> as well. Uh, you know, kind of get uh, the. The, the full experience, I guess. Yeah, feel. don't don't forget to subscribe. Smash that like button. Smash the like button. <laughs> smash the subscribe. Uh, we had a fantastic dinner with our bosses, our co-workers, yeah. some combination of the two. Uh, Tommy and JJ down here in Miami. We recently played the Mavericks. So JJ was in town. Tommy and, and Davis both um, were able to once again, fully vaccinated, we were able to yeah. travel uh, down to the Sunshine State, South Florida. And we just had a, really the first time the four of us not on a zoom um, got to chop it up. And it was a good time. Yeah, it's the first time I got to meet either of those guys in person. Yes, which was pretty exciting. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, kind of felt like we were just doing our own little version of a podcast. It, it really did. You know? Actually, at, at moments, I was just kind of like, yeah, it'd be interesting if there was just kind of a record button going on here. You know, I think there was some some podcast-worthy content, uh, and then maybe some content that that's made for uh, not public airwaves, right? But uh, it was it was enjoyable nonetheless.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I, f- I kind of find myself doing that in normal conversation now. Mm. I don't know if you feel that way, but I'll just be talking to someone and feel like I'm actively listening more than I would in the past. It's like this is training me. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, ways. That's,
1: I I would say that that's a, a good quality that you're developing. Yep. A skill um, in some respects. It wasn't meant to be a, yeah. a brag. Well, we also actually uh, got to sit down and chop it up with our uh, video uh, guy. I don't know, that seems demeaning to call him our video guy, yeah. but he does all things video, Jason Gallagher, uh, who is world renowned, really, uh, from between his time at the Ringer and. Uh, You know, super talented, creative dude, and is personally responsible for doing all of our video stuff, as well as uh, JJ and Tommy. So that was enjoyable as well.
0: Yeah, all these guys are studs, which is really my takeaway from being down here this week. Is like we're in good hands. Yes, you know
1: the pod is in good hands, uh, and and I think it has a bright future, which I'm I'm excited about.
0: I think so too. Um, so we have our list of topics here. The next one is one that you're really excited to talk about, but I'm going to force you to you broken another record we need a sound effect for these well, okay yeah so it's it's do you want to say what it is because I, I yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say it you so say it. you became the fastest in nba history to make five hundred threes, which this happened a couple of days ago so you know the vast majority of people listening to this might already know that but uh and i know you obviously already know that but again another remarkable milestone that you've set
1: yeah i mean uh, off the air, I, I tried to tell Davis that I imagine from an audience perspective, it's just like, okay, I mean, I, I was the fastest 400. Like, are we just going to keep doing this? Yeah, over if you and keep breaking
0: again? records, then yes. Cause I know, but
1: at what, at what point, if, if you're the fastest 400, fastest 500, isn't there like doesn't it then become an expectation that you would be the fastest to 550 and the fastest like maybe but all of those things don't get any less impressive
0: also everything everyone who listens to this i assume wants to celebrate those things with you so we're going to take the time to take a moment and give you your flowers so the fastest 500 let me just quickly say no other play so you did this in 152 games no other player in nba history has made 400 threes in 152 games. So I know you keep giving your media answer of, uh, you know, it's the sign of the times and there will be somebody is. who comes around. and break But what you've done so far, we're not saying you're at the mountaintop, but what you've done so far is really impressive. And yeah, if you're the first of 600, guess what? We're going to mention it on the pod. And we're going to keep doing it as long as you keep setting these milestones because it is worth recognizing.
1: I just feel like there's a certain responsibility that comes with having a long-form mouthpiece to the public, and there's almost a, a misuse going on if us, yeah, if we're going to dedicate five to ten minutes every month and a half to some record that's for sure going to get broken here soon by you no no by somebody else who's going to be given the keys to the the car of an organization on day one and they're going to shoot the same way i did i mean i didn't have the keys in terms of in that sense but i had the free reign to just go out and be aggressive um but somebody's going to break it here it's it's a it's a short-lived record we're not talking wilts 100 we're not talking you know stockton's assist record like those are ones that aren't going to get touched duncan you so let me just let me reiterate, in
0: 152 games you made 500 threes. The next closest in 152 games is Devontae Graham 384. Okay, he's not even the same.
1: Devonte can really shoot. Uh,
0: of course, Let's, and after that is Luca at 379, and then it you know it keeps going lower and lower. Obviously, no one is even within hundred makes of you. My point is, this one is pretty remarkable. And I think even Spo was asked after that game when you broke it about it. And even he sort of had a moment
1: of like, yeah, it, that's impressive. He also followed up that with what I want to hit on, which is that so much of it, so much of the credit, of of course, I, I have to make the shots, but a lot of the credit should be on my, my teammates as well. Um, you know, you look at my... Percentage of field goals made that are assisted. It's it's way up there. You know, I'm not James Harden I'm not shooting unassisted step back threes from the logo um, You know, it requires ball movement player movement screens all these things. It's uh, you know, it's it's a group effort But of course anyways, let's just move forward, please. All right. Fine. Fine. We will. What else do we got? <laughs> um, all right, fine.
0: We can move forward. Do you get media trained with this stuff like it seems like you have a, a clear direction of where you want to go with these answers.
1: I had one media training course at the University of Michigan, which was probably necessary because it was basically for all of us coming out of high school. I was coming out of college because I transferred, but that's new guys. And, you know, that for a lot of us was the first time that we were actually dealing with media exposure. So I had one course... Or like a little, you know, a couple sessions back then. But uh, since then, no. This is while you're a student at Michigan? Yes. So the NBA doesn't As do anything. As opposed any- to what else?
0: Well, I'm just saying the NBA doesn't do anything. They don't sponsor that.
1: Oh, uh, no, I don't believe. I mean, there's like some little stuff in like rookie transition where they just kind of talk about the kind of pitfalls that come with being overly, uh, you know, oversharing with the media. And yeah. the kind of the dangers of that. But uh, no, it, it's not... Any sort of like intensive course. I mean, the other thing now too is you got to understand, guys. Once they've gotten to this point, they've usually played high high level college basketball. They've, most of them are usually high level recruits in high school, where everything is getting, you know, browsed and and everything is getting analyzed. Yep. So anything you put out is going to get scrutinized if it's you know not up to standard. Right. Therefore, guys learn. You know most guys truthfully learn through mistakes you know you make you have a mistake a blunder or whatever and then you learn not to do it um, I think I've actually avoided I'm trying to think if I've had a media blunder but I don't think I have I can't think of one
0: yeah but you're not really even on media like you don't even really give your yeah the chance like except for post game interviews and stuff like that yeah I
1: mean that's it yeah that's the extent of it but you're right
0: I mean and in the the high recruits like think of like Mikey Williams, like the kids who are that. I yeah. mean, he's in a kind of stratosphere by himself, but those yeah. kids are when they're 15
1: years old, superstars. They have a magnifying yeah. glass. I on. mean, that's just that's just another example as to why the I think the NLI stuff that we've talked about with Billis on previous episodes um, is so important is because a lot of these kids really do have opportunity to generate serious income um, just off of the likeness of their own name, which should without a doubt. Um, they should be entitled to but I yeah. guess that's a, a different story for a different time let's actually wrap up our suit winners so we finished sure. we finished the suit giveaway let's put a little bow on that yeah. we selected all of our winners so if you've heard from us obviously you are now a winner um, yeah. and if you haven't unfortunately uh, you didn't win that one but uh, we're hopeful that there's another giveaway on the horizon Yeah. Uh, here so yeah yeah uh
0: thanks again to everyone who submitted that we had uh, so many again we've, we've said this but we had so many good ones it was impossible to choose like the most deserving there were yeah. so many um but yeah excited about the winners that we chose and congrats to those folks they know who they are we've reached out to them on social yeah. media uh you know i think we'll do some more stuff like this moving forward for sure absolutely because this one was fun
1: yeah um i i hear rumors circulating that we have a new segment <laughs> we do <laughs> we yeah. do so, and again we need I, I i think we need a soundboard because
0: i want a sound effect for that too we need a sound effect for when you break a record and then we need sound effects for new segments this one i don't know how much of a recurring segment this one's going to be because
1: probably not
0: it's not one that you can this do. this might be a one-hit wonder it could be a
1: james blunt if you will but
0: i'm really excited about it okay we don't really have an official name for it i'm i'm thinking we go with like a Debo versus the field. Okay. Or like a stats stack up. You know, there's a little alliteration there. Yeah, okay. You, you know, I don't love the second one, but it's you're all right. You're not feeling it? The effort's there.
1: We'll go with Debo. Go, let, let's, let's get to the content. Here. Duncan
0: versus the field. Okay. I got to build a little anticipation. Right. Um. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read you off some stats. Like I'm going to give you a stat category. You and someone else in the association. Okay. And I want you to guess who's higher in that stat so for example if I said points per game right. you and Giannis right I think Giannis is the, probably the higher in that be category Giannis, yes. so I'm going to try to give you a couple that are maybe not as obvious okay and see if you can get them but All don't right. look at my screen because I have them written down go right. ahead okay we're going to start with three point attempts I'm going to give you three guys rank them in order of attempts per game
1: mm, okay
0: okay I have a pretty good grasp on this, yeah, I think you should. This was probably the easiest particular. one. Okay, go ahead. You, Jordan Clarkson, Luca.
1: I think I I'm first on there would be my guess. Um, over eight and a half or over eight point four, something like that. Oh, Jc gets them up. I would say, I would say Jc is two and Luca's is three. Jc eight point seven. Wow.
0: You 8.6. Wow. Luca
1: 8.4. So, so all right.
0: in the same category. But okay. if we're splitting hairs, you are actually two in that group.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
0: Okay. Second one blocks on the season. So this is not per game. Total blocks. Total blocks on the season. So you do have to consider like games played. Yes. But still. Yeah. Rank in order you, Marcus Morris, Donovan Mitchell.
1: Ooh, I hope for their sake I'm, I'm last on this. Um, Donovan's missed some time, though. A little, yeah. Yeah, I honestly don't know how much time Marcus has missed. I'll say Marcus is one. I think Donovan would be two. Gotta be, right? And then I would probably
0: be three in that. So here's what I would say to that. On the season, blocks, total blocks, you have 16. Donovan. Uh, not a whopping number by any means point two per game <laughs> <laughs> oh dear real room protector over here donovan 15 oh wow marcus morris 13 so i'm the leader in the clubhouse <laughs> you're leading blocks in that of those three that I was my I favorite room i think protector. that's one of my favorite ones here okay steals on the season total you Derek jones jr dj has 36 you've got 35 all right, so, you. yeah, you
1: guys are right there. How I'm about that? Um, I feel like this is a way you've now kind of turned this into like subtly complimenting maybe some underappreciated aspects of my game. I mean,
0: look, it's not really what I intended this to be. But. If we're going to celebrate your 16 blocks on the season, then
1: sure. Yeah, yeah sure. I maybe. Guess, I guess everything is, uh, you know, context is required. But go ahead. I'll give
0: you two more here. All right. Two point field goal percentage. Okay. Okay. Rank in order. All right. You, Zion, Montrez.
1: Hmm. It's the, just two point field goals. Just two field, point yeah. field goals. Um I mean I know my my two point field goal is pretty high just because I, I pretty much exclusively take right. layups. <laughs> Backdoor layups. Yeah. yeah. Um my guess is if I'm not one then I'm two. Okay. I'll take I think Zion's three because everyone talks about this is like kind of like a, a trap question. Is what I'm is what I'm picking up. So I'll take who's the other one? Montrez. Montrez. I'll take Montrez one. I'll take me myself two and Zion three. Is my guess.
0: Ding ding ding. This is That's your right. first correct. First correct. Montrez sixty three point eight. You're sixty three point four. Zion sixty two point seven. Not
1: my first correct. I got the Derek Jones one as well.
0: Just fair. Yeah yeah fair fair. fair. Um, but the caveat here I want to just quickly point out is Zion's taken 986 twos and you've taken ninety three. So. <laughs>
1: Volume. There is a,
0: certainly a difference in volume. Uh, oh dear, that is a stark contrast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, last one. Effective field goal percentage.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah.
0: On the season so far. You.
1: Do you have a breakdown of what that stat is? Sure, I can give you one. No, I don't want it. Okay, just go ahead. You, Steph, Giannis. Um. I once again, I know this is one that favors three point shooting heavily. Maybe. So. My guess would be Steph 1, myself 2,
0: Giannis 3. As of yesterday, so when people hear this, these numbers might have shifted a little bit.
1: Hopefully in my favor.
0: Hopefully in your favor. Yeah. You're at 61.1. Steph is at 61.1. Oh, well. Uh, Giannis is at 59.9.
1: So you set me up for fa- for failure there because... A little bit of a trick question. There's a tie. There's a tie.
0: Okay. But I think what's remarkable about that is it just speaks to how effective Giannis is, right? Because, like you said, that stat favors the three
1: pointer. Well, I was gonna say either that or it suggests how valuable three point shots are. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess that's the other way you can shoot them accurately,
0: right? Which you and Steph both do pretty well. Anyways, that was fun. Yeah, I I actually thought I I thought I held my own. You did pretty well. And again, I, you know what? It's funny Uh, that maybe did make it seem like I was trying to give you compliments. In some of those but again let's just keep in perspective what we really did is shout out that you have 16 blocks on the season
1: yeah pretty inconsequential number yeah
0: uh, you know yeah you know.
1: um all right let's we got our in that mind you that's taking place of your reddit question yeah th- yeah, I think yeah so. that, that makes well, sense yeah, yeah yeah we're gonna go to our long shot feature um emily white yes who is a softball player at Paradise Valley Community College in Phoenix, Arizona? This one was sent to us. Yeah. She got in an ATV accident during a camping trip last year and was unfortunately forced to amputate her leg. Yeah. Which is obviously uh, tragic. But now she's worked her way back onto the field with her teammates less than a year later. Yeah, which That's an incredible turnaround time. Insane. For an amputated insane. body part.
0: Um, I, saw, I watched a video on her, uh, a news story on her, that said, I think she was an outfielder before the injury. She moved to the infield, just because I think her, her prosthetic leg is, works better on the dirt, which makes sense. Yeah. So shifted positions. Also
1: probably a little less ground to cover.
0: Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. Shifted positions, and then you know, just learning to move. Yeah. You know, like forget sports, just like learning how to get through life with an amputated leg is remarkable. And then just within a year, learning how to play
1: a new position in softball on it as well is just pretty yeah. crazy. That's, that's remarkable. So shout out to Emily yeah. uh, for the perseverance. And it's, all you know, it's always stuff like that that just kind of keeps, you know, our problems in perspective um, for sure.
0: I like that that's becoming a theme on this pod. What's that? We, so, so we get into this with Karis.
1: Oh, yeah. Provide a little perspective. We yeah. got
0: into it last week with Joe. Yeah.
1: We've, we've touched on it with a lot of our guests.
0: Yeah. Just keeping things in perspective. I think that's important.
1: Yeah. I think I think for me, not that we need to turn this into you know some sort of psychoanalysis. Sure. But I think so much of that literally just boils down to empathy of just thinking of other people more and yes. of yourself a little bit less. Um, it's certainly something that I strive to do. Um, you know, of course I think everybody could be a little bit better than, with that. And I think if everybody did try to be a little bit better, we'd be a little bit better off as a, uh, society. I like to
0: remind myself sometimes that nothing matters. And I know that that sounds really dark or, it's, or, uh, depressing, a little ominous, but we are, f- <laughs> let's get really existential for a second. We're just floating on a planet in space and, you know, it's like, it's important to keep that stuff in perspective. You know what I mean? Like, it's like looking up at the stars and looking at everything out there and just think, you know what? We're really small yeah. in the grand scheme of all of this. Yeah. Let's just, you know, try to be kind to one another and be happy.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of bases uh, <laughs> with the, with this opening. Um, let's get to our, our conversation with Karis. This is a fun one. Obviously, a, you know, college teammate and close friend of mine uh, was good to chop it up, talk about some serious things, some fun stuff. Um, And also, of course, you know catch up on some hoop stuff as well.
0: This is one that we will probably do again In In person person. because one of your best friends uh, Just the best seems
1: like it's almost and and I'm now also realizing this now that we're in person It's as much as I love zoom and it's allowed us to do a lot of really cool interviews It's a challenging dynamic to get to really be able to have the back-and-forth the banter Um, To really be able to tap into that just because you know the technology the lag and everything in between but uh, you're right I think that in a different setting uh, And it was he was great, and he's awesome, but in a different setting. I think it could be even better Yeah, I agree, but yeah a great one still all right, so here's Karis. Welcome back in to the long shot podcast joined by an Ohio basketball high school state champion, a University of Michigan legend in the flesh, a guy who embodies work ethic, resilience, and competitive grit, current pacer, and I'm a firm believer that he's soon to be an all-star and last, but of course, not least a good friend of mine, former teammate, Karis Levert. Welcome to the
2: show appreciate that thank you for that uh for that intro
1: no of course um you know we're, we're gonna mix in some compliments mix in some jabs as well i actually want to start off by saying for somebody that i consider a close friend i just said all those really nice things about you it took a hell of an effort to get you on this show i mean right up there with like president obama like I, I like you're as <laughs> as unreachable as like somebody of that status. Um, but finally, you're here, so thank you.
2: Um, you know, I would disagree with that statement. You know, we kind of had some technical difficulties. You know, back and forth. I wouldn't say it was all on my end, um, but I let you have that one.
1: Okay, so so you're just gonna deflect all uh, all accountability. That's fair. Um, all right, I, I want to talk a little bit about just kind of your your recent NBA season. Obviously, you transition uh, to a new team, a new city. You're back in the Midwest, a place where you've obviously spent a lot of time, had a lot of success. But for you, this is the first time in your NBA career, professional career, um, that you're outside of New York. So talk a little bit about, if, if you don't mind, just kind of what goes through a transition like that. I think people you know, as fans just see the change of jersey, but really there's so much more. Um, We'll get into the kind of details of of really what happened around the trade, but just more kind of the lifestyle stuff and then also maybe play style stuff.
2: Yeah, man, I'm actually going through it right now. So, um, you know, I'm just now moving into a new house, uh, new situation, moving all my stuff from, you know, New York uh, to Indiana. So um, it's kind of been, you know, very hectic because it's not just moving, but it's moving during an NBA season as well. So you're not only just moving, you got to worry about playing in games, you got to worry about, you know, I wasn't living by myself, you know, my family was living with me and my little brother, so worrying about his stuff as well. So um, it's kind of a lot to go through. Um, But like I said, I have people, you know, that kind of helped me with the transition. So uh, they've made it a lot easier for me. But um, it's definitely something that you know, you go through and it's like, damn, this is like real life right now. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: no, for sure. Um, I, I also just want to ask, I mean, Indian and New York City are two very different places, obviously. I think that goes without being said. But how much does that, like the city difference, actually impact your MBA experience or is it more so just the organizational differences or do you feel the city being very different and having an impact on your, on your
2: career? No, nah, it's both for sure. You know, coming from New York is like a, a big market, especially Brooklyn. And, you know, what we were building over there, it was um, the names that we kind of had coming through as a big market team. Um, and then moving to Indiana is like a much smaller market. Um, that's just one thing. But then, you know, obviously the city, the lifestyle is way different as well um I think in New York I just one big thing is I never had a car there I always had a driver you know uh to take me around places but driver big time (laughs) in the Midwest you know you gotta have a car so it that's that's gonna be a change for me but you know it's just a lot of differences It's, it's a lot of differences going from east coast you know a big city to um a smaller a smaller market team but You know, I'm really enjoying, you know, playing in Indianapolis so far. And uh, I can't wait to see what the future holds for sure.
0: It's so crazy. Like in no other profession other than professional sports, do you just get a call that now you're moving cities? So do you just like pack a duffel and go to Indiana? And then the rest of your stuff comes whenever it comes? Like, are you in a hotel? How does that process all work?
2: That's exactly what happened. So it was like, I got the call and then, um, I was there. I was still in New York for maybe like a day. And then the next day, you know, I headed out, me and my brother, we headed to uh, to Indianapolis. Um, and we were kind of just there. I was in a hotel for what, like a month and a half, two months. Um, just there. I just moved into my house like last week, to be honest with you. So we were in the hotel for that long. Um, and I had a, a duffel bag and, you know, my brother was back and forth transporting my stuff. Um, but I kind of like I just said, I'm just getting settled now and it happened what three months ago. so that just gives you a little bit of insight into it.
1: Yeah obviously the the player movement was well documented from like an NBA media standpoint but then another huge storyline. That obviously many people know uh, that came from that whole trade was the your, your health and, and what ultimately came to light uh, during uh, the, the screening, the, the physical, um, and what ensued afterwards. I can't even, obviously, first and foremost, everyone's so happy to see you now back on the court playing and, and healthy. I can't even wrap my mind around what that must be like to go from first finding out you're, you're being traded, you're moving your whole life, but then there's also got to be a, a perspective shock of like now you're going through like that's one being traded is one form of adversity. But now this whole, you know, the, the tumor that came, like that's a whole different form of adversity. Um, can you just speak to that just a little bit, maybe how that kind of happened and, and whatever you're willing to share? Obviously not trying to put you on blast over here.
2: Yeah, well, it was uh, it was like a whirlwind, man. It was like they called me. It was like you're getting traded. You're going to Indianapolis. So, boom, I go to Indianapolis. I'm there getting my physicals um, early in the morning, like 6, 7 a.m. But I'm in the hospital for a long time. I'm in the hospital for like, what, three, four hours. And I'm like, what is going on? So I'm asking the nurses, like, what's up? And they're like, yeah, we're just running some more tests. You know, it'll be a couple more minutes. So they finally let me go. As Soon as I leave, I get a call, you know, from a random number because I don't know anybody there yet doc calling me like yo you don't know me but this is doctor this is doctor such and such and he's like um you won't be traveling with the team today you know we found your mri like what like what do you mean and then he told me he's like hey we found a tumor in your left kidney i'm like what he's like yeah i know it doesn't make a lot of sense but um we got to run more tests before obviously you're cleared to do anything um and before the trade even goes through so it was like two or three days before anything went through so i don't know if y'all can remember but like uh it was a lot of speculation like on twitter it was like the trade might not go through someone failed their physical it hadn't came out that it was me yet so people were like what is going on um so finally the news dropped and everybody was like what is going on right now so it was it was crazy so uh,
1: as an athlete you know you go through injuries but it's it's an ankle sprain it's a even if it's something more severe there's a timeline that's then set in place there's a understanding of there's a precedent for example with something like this I, I think at least for myself and, and obviously, you know, you and I, our relationship goes back. So there's the, the personal component. I think one thing it was incredible to see was the entire community, um, greater NBA community, of course, the players, organizations, everything just kind of rally around you and, and have your health in everyone's minds. But I got to imagine that there's just this anxiety around, okay, what does this really look like moving forward? This isn't like a, a sprain where I'm out four to six weeks or even like something more, you know, severe, like some sort of tear where it's months. Like what is when those initial hours, is it like, am am I, am I going to be able to play basketball again? Am I like, were these thoughts going through your mind?
2: For sure. I was in shock. I was like, I didn't really say too many words. You know, I like hung up on doc. I called him back like three or four times because I couldn't even figure out the words to say, you know what I mean? I was just stuck. Um, and I was stuck for a couple of days. I didn't even tell anybody. I don't think I told you for like another two or three days. Uh, you, I remember you were one of the first people I told. Um, but like I didn't tell a lot of people. Um, and then the news finally came out and then it was like everybody was on my phone. You know what I mean? And that was something that I didn't necessarily want really anybody to know. Because that's such, you know, personal business. But um, I think somebody had leaked it or something like that. And then a, a small story came out, so it was like, you guys better just get on top of it and, you know, let people know what's going on. Um, but it was definitely a time where I was like, I didn't know if I was going to be able to play again. I didn't know if I was going to be good just, you know, in life in general. You know what I'm saying? So um, it definitely put a lot of things in perspective for sure.
1: That The idea of keeping basketball in perspective is something that, We've talked a lot about on this podcast with previous guests, and for example, we just had Joe Ingles on last week, and you know he was saying his son being diagnosed with autism was one of the best things that happened actually for his playing career because it actually helped him reframe, you know, how he would approach his games in that it just you know it's it's just basketball. I'm curious, and maybe you weren't far enough removed. Um, obviously, you're you're back out there. I mean, you had 35 last night. Um, do you feel, and maybe it hasn't in, in this this near near uh, you know recent memory, but like, do you think that this will have an impact as on your ability as a player and, and actually help um you know with your your on court success or maybe not? Yeah, I don't know.
2: Absolutely, no, it absolutely has already. Um, every I feel like every time I even touch the court now, it's like I'm thankful to, and I've always been you know very thankful to be playing the game, but it's more so now that I'm just thankful to even be out enjoying the game that I love because past couple of months, I was cooped up in a hotel room, you know, stomach hurting, uh, wishing I could hoop, you know what I'm saying? Because basketball is an outlet for me, you know, when things not really going the way I want, I I hoop, but obviously I couldn't do that. So, um, you know, for me, it kind of opened my eyes to like, damn you, and you're not going to be able to play basketball forever too. So cherish the moments that you do have. So, uh, ever since I've been, you know, back playing, I've always tried to keep that joy and keep that perspective. Like, just a couple months ago, you was on the hospital bed, you was in a hotel bed, you couldn't hoop, you know, so your knees may be hurting today, you know, you may not feel like going out and playing, but at the end of the day, you you, you feel me? This is your job, this is, this is what you love to do, so you might as well do it while you can.
1: i want to talk a little bit more about dealing with adversity in general i think it's something that a lot of people can relate to and honestly like when i when i look at my career and people that i've played with i think i think of you as the ultimate example uh, you know i remember how you having injuries at michigan obviously you had injuries as a professional and so many times those are viewed as as setbacks but i think one thing that is i've always just had so much respect for about you is that in those moments when you're not on the court, one, I always know you're putting in work because you're like maniacal with your approach, uh, which we'll get into at another time. But like, how have those moments, those setbacks, and, and it doesn't have to be necessarily the most recent, but like speak to how you deal with those, how you maintain the perspective, how you... You know, because so much of it, obviously, is the physical setback, but like it's the emotional toll, the mental toll of of not being able to do what you love. Um, just speak to how how you've learned to like deal and handle with with moments like that.
2: Man, to be honest with you, that's it's tough, bro. I try to just keep the my end goal in mind, you know, um, and try to just tell myself it's not gonna last forever. You know what I'm saying? The, the pain that I'm feeling, the pain that I was feeling a couple months ago in my stomach and in my in this area, it wasn't gonna last forever. Um, And I just try to, like I said, like I'm going to be playing in a couple months. So just keep your mind right and try to watch as much film as you can, you know, do the little stuff that you can. So when you get back, you'll be that much better. Um, But it's hard, man. A lot of people, a lot of people will tell you that who kind of go through injuries. It's like, like you said, the mental and emotional part is harder than getting through the actual injury because it's like, damn, I've been I've been out for this long. Um, I don't feel comfortable coming back. You know, you have, um, you know, just you know, regular thoughts. Um, confidence may be lacking when you come back. You may not feel, you know, as you know, your win may not be back. Um, I know that was something that I was coming through, going through when I was coming back as well. And it was like just getting through those initial emotions uh, for me was the toughest part. But once I got through them, it was like riding the bike again. You know, I've been playing basketball since I was a little kid, so. Um, that joy and that love never left for me.
0: It cares. It takes me to your open letter that you wrote coming out of Michigan to GMs, which I encourage everyone to go read if they haven't. That's a and gem. That's a gem. It's a gem. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just acknowledging kind of everything that you've been through, but shown that you've bounced back every single time. And that's continued in your professional career. But I, I do want to go back to Michigan and particularly 2014. I think when uh, a young Duncan Robinson made his way onto campus as a redshirt mm-hmm. can you just shine a little light on maybe uh, what a what your first impressions of a young Duncan Robinson were
2: Yeah man it was like he was like a deer in the headlights um but um everybody kept comparing them to uh, Nick Stauskas, you know what I mean because Nick had just left he was such a great shooter um he was like, you know, Big Ten player of the year. He was one of the finalists for the Wooden Award winners. Uh, we had a great season with him and everything like that. And then, you know, Nick came, similar build, um, you know, similar player. Um, but he was coming from a D3 school, you know what I mean? And he had made some noise there and everyone was kind of like, you know, can he trans Like, will it translate? You know, will he have enough confidence to be able to do that at this level? Um, and Duncan was always in the gym. I'm someone who was always in the gym as well, so... Like, late nights, Duncan would always be in the gym, and I would always see him in there. You know, his retro year, obviously, he couldn't play in games. But I think in those moments, you kind of see who's really serious about it. Um, And you would always see Duncan always just around the gym. You know what I mean? Getting extra work in, you know, talking to the guys, just being around the game. And I think you saw that love for the game when he was super young. Um, And then his first, what, six, seven games playing, uh, you saw the talent, you know, jump off the page right away. You're shooting like what 60 some percent from three, leading the country right away. So it was like, wow, this is crazy.
0: Dunk. I'm curious then what your first impressions of uh, of Karis were because then, like you said, I I imagine Karis is right that you're a deer in the headlights showing up on campus, and then you're looking at like the big man on campus, Karis Levert. What's what you know? What are you thinking when you're in those first practices?
1: I mean. So they had just lost in the elite eight. Uh, Karis had got gamed by Andrew Harrison uh, at the buzzer to lose on <laughs> it the was left. Aaron, Aaron Harrison, Aaron, Aaron Harrison uh, at the buzzer to lose, uh, hand down, man down uh, type of type of thing. But uh, you know, a lot of those guys left. You know, Glenn, Mitch, Nick, and Karis could have left. I think Karis. I don't know Karis. I think they were saying you could have been like a late first round pick for sure. Would have been drafted. Yeah. And I know you were thinking about leaving, right?
2: hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if it was
2: honestly, if it was like today, I definitely would have tested the waters and I probably would have ended up leaving. But the right. rules were a little bit different back then.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, you would have worked out for a team and they would have been like, all right, this dude yeah. is 175 pounds and has straight game. I guess at that point you were what, 190?
2: Yeah, yeah I was I was smaller. Though. I was I was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyways, I get on campus. First open gym. It's legitimately... I mean, the entire level is, like, beyond anything that I'm ready for at that point, first of all. But Karis legitimately looks like he's playing a different game. It's like like when you watch somebody that is just so much... So advanced, and it's like he's moving at different speeds, like, controlling the whole pace. And this is just pickup, right? Like, nobody can stay in front of him. Uh, Like, early on, it was, like, Jamal Crawford vibes. Like, crazy. Like, shifty threes, all this stuff. But I actually... There was actually a, a night that uh this was probably two months into my time at Michigan. Uh maybe not even actually, maybe like a month and a half. Uh me, you and Derek playing King of the Hill in the PDC late night. I'm like, I was just working out. You guys were in there like whatever trying to hoop. You're like, yo, you wanna play one on one on one? I'm like, Yeah, let's go. So I'm already getting over my head. Like I like come on man like i i can't do anything i definitely i definitely can't guard either of you but like maybe i'm like all right maybe i can get a bucket like mix in a bucket here or there i didn't even have the chance to i never got the ball i don't think i got a single stop the entire time i literally looked like a traffic cone trying to stay in front of these dudes and it's the crazy thing about it is it's three dribble one on one so it's not like they can do anything crazy i'm like all right you should be able to contain somebody in three dribbles no I couldn't I could not guard my own shadow I felt like after that it was crazy and I was walking back I remember you guys took the bus back I was like nah man like I'm walking back because I needed to like <laughs> I needed to like be with my own thoughts and I called my boy and I'm like I'm like dude I fucked up man like I'm never going to get on the floor here there is no way I'm ever going to be able to play I was like I couldn't get a stop for an hour and a half straight there is no way I could play at Michigan. Um, but, like, honestly, like, Karis, Karis always looked out for me, and I think there was, like, some, some like, mutual respect uh, just in the fact that, like, he, he motivated me a ton to always be in the gym because he was always in there to the point where, like, I think it's funny when people talk about, and I get it, it's very different in the NBA season, but this is actually something I wanted to ask you about, Karis, is, like, I know you're a crazy worker and you, you have the late nights and you get all these these extra reps in. But, like, that's not always sustainable in an NBA season. Like, it's it's a little different than college and, like, you need to find that balance. And that's something I've struggled with. But I was going to ask you how you have – have you gotten it to a point where you found that balance between, like, all right, like, I'm going to go get one in at, at, at 11 p.m. tonight? Or like, I'm actually going to, you know, get off my feet, get a massage, you know, hit the Normatech, attack, whatever, and do what I need to do to recover.
2: For sure. That's like, the, that was the hardest part for me. It took me, what, like three years to just get in a routine where I was like, okay, I feel comfortable getting work in here. This is my off day. This is light work. You know what I'm saying? I, I just now, last year was, I got to a point where I'm like, I felt like I actually knew what I was doing when it came to that. Before that, I was struggling with it. Like I would, work too hard I come into games I would have no legs and shoot like two for 10 and it really be because I was in the gym last night until like 12 you know what I'm saying or I wouldn't go in the gym and my legs would feel great but my game would feel nasty so it'd be like you know just finding that balance but I like I said it was probably like a year ago when I found like okay this is what I need to be doing I need to take this amount of off days per week um but I, I think I've I'm kind of like a vet now. I didn't got into a nice little routine.
1: Yeah, in, in that same kind of area of of discussion, I want to ask about your off seasons because obviously off season you're able to kind of like beat up the body a little bit more and like push it. Um, and, and that's not to say that you I'm sure you still prioritize recovery in the off seasons as well because um, it's incredibly important. But what how do you approach your off seasons is it like are you just kind of just working checking boxes like trying to get workouts in or are you like very tactical with like look I want to add this to my game this summer because I think one thing people have seen throughout your career is every year you've gotten better and every year you've improved and gotten more and more comfortable so what is what is that off season kind of approach look like for you
2: yeah the first couple of seasons um it was kind of like I didn't really have a specific plan I was just kind of you know, I never really had a trainer before. So I was kind of just by myself, just working on the stuff that I know how to do, just trying to get better at the stuff that I'm already good at. You know what I mean? But um, this past summer, I started working with Alex Basil. Um, and, you know, he I feel like he's really taking my game to the next level. Um, I was with him and Kai and Kevin almost every day since quarantine started. Um, and we were working sometimes twice a day. Um, and just working on specific things. And that's kind of the first time I really worked on, like, all right, I'm going to work on getting to my spot today. I'm working on getting to this spot right here and knocking down this shot. And that's the first time in my career I've done that. Um, And since I've kind of been working that way, I've kind of felt my game just get better each and every single day, really. Um, Having, like, a specific plan that I'm going to every day and having, like, a specific routine that I'm doing every day. Um, and I kind of carry that through the season as well.
1: I think that that was fully on display in the bubble, which was when, you know, obviously you guys as a team, Brooklyn at that point were totally depleted. Um, but it was an opportunity for you to just have the ball in your hands. And I think it's funny because I I just remember everyone going crazy about how you were killing. And I think a lot of people who, who knew you and, and know what you're capable of were like, all right like yeah of course like he finally has like the ball like really in his hands and and can make decisions i mean you had like you had a 40 point game you were getting doubles like all sorts of stuff and you you were showing your ability to distribute how have you seen this is also something we've talked a lot about on this podcast but like how have you seen situation impact your performance because i'm a firm believer that like as you move up and, and particularly at the NBA level, like situation is, is everything. Um, so how, 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 have you seen that ring true in your career?
2: Man, situation is in the NBA. Everybody can hoop. You know what I'm saying? When we get to this level, everybody can do something. Everybody was the man. Everybody showed glimpses of being special. So it's all about situation. It's all about, you know, how you're used in a specific system. It's all about, you know, who you want to court with, um, And I feel like, like you said, that was on full display for me in the bubble. Uh, I've always, you know, played like that, you know what I'm saying? So when people were, you know, giving me credit and stuff like that, it was kind of like, all right, that's kind of just how I see myself. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how I feel like I play the game. I mean, it may not always show like that to other people, but in my mind, that's just how I play. So for me, it was kind of like, what is everybody so surprised about? Um, But You know, in the NBA, it's so many talented guys, you know what I'm saying? So it's so many guys that can do so many different things. Like in Brooklyn, I was playing with my first couple of years. I was with D'Angelo and Spence, who are super, super talented guards. You know what I'm saying? And it's hard sometimes to split up the ball between three ball dominant guards who all can do so many great things with the basketball. Um, And I think at times, you know, one of us had to take the back seat, you know what I'm saying? Um, You know, obviously D'Angelo emerged to the All-Star and Spencer and myself, we both got hurt that year. Um, But it was times early in that season when, you know, me and Spencer were on the court and D'Lo was on the court. And D'Lo probably felt as if he should have been on the court. Um, And it just works out that way, you know what I'm saying? Because, like I said, the NBA has so many guys that are so talented. Um, So it really just depends on where you're at in a certain spot in a certain situation.
0: Karis, that kind of goes back to what we're talking about, though. Like That's just for you to then get uprooted and put in a new city, new situation, new team, where, like we've kind of just talked about, you're a guy who is so effective with the ball in your hands. What's that like to show up in a new locker room and sort of feel like you – want the ball or you know is there that feeling and then like figuring out where your place is on this team that sort of has things you know they're we're mid-season so they have things figured out they sort of have things that they're running and then you're thrust into the the middle of it all
2: yeah I think that was the weirdest part just being thrown like in the middle of the season you know what I'm saying like if it was the summertime I think it would have been a, a much easier transition with you know open gyms and stuff like that but it was like my first time playing with these guys was in Phoenix, like during Phoenix, my first game playing, that was like my first time playing with these guys. Um, and he just, you know, threw me in the starting lineup, threw me in the fire. Um, so it was definitely tough. You know, the transition was tough at first, but you know, I got great teammates and, you know, they're stressed to me every day to just be aggressive and be myself. So they make it super, super easy on me, but not every situation is like that. You know what I'm saying? Not every locker room has guys who are going to tell you to go out there and be aggressive and go out there and, you know, be creative and do what you do. Um, So that's a that's that's definitely a testament to the guys in the locker room. Um, But it's not like I said, it's not always like that. Like some guys walk into situations where, you know, they already have guys who kind of shoot 20 times a game or they already have guys who have the ball in their hands. and You kind of just got to find your way.
1: I, I actually I wanna ask you about uh the pacers and I more specifically I wanna ask why you don't guard me when we play each other.
2: Is why that why don't a, guard you?
1: Yeah, why don't you guard me? Is that a do you a lot is of that times a conversation? Coach put
2: me on. A lot of times Coach kinda puts me on the best player. Um so uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually guarding like, you know, Jimmy or or he puts me on the, the, the ball handler. So I'm guarding K none or Tyler, or, you know what I'm saying? It just, I don't really guard the guy who runs off screen. <laughs> Interesting. Of
1: I think that could have been I'm taken. not knocking what you
2: do. I'm just saying, though, I don't, he don't put me on those type of guys. It's not what I do.
1: Interesting. I, I think that could be uh, taken in a different direction. You know, I think that there what could do be, you mean a, by that? I, well, I think there could be a case that you should guard me and, and for some reason you don't. And I, I'm just trying to bridge that gap.
2: Why do you feel like I should guard you?
1: I mean, I just think it would be a good matchup. I mean, I don't guard you, so I'll, I'll okay, keep. It, I'll I have keep a better question.
2: You do guard me. Why do you guard me? Because <laughs> you do guard me. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Karen. There should be y'all should cue y'all should cue to like my highlights on Duncan right now. That's <laughs> what y'all should do on this because <laughs> I have many, many, many buckets on him.
0: I wanted to ask you about this actually. Correct me if I am wrong, but it seems from the outside that when the Heat and Pacers play, you are looking for opportunities to ISO Duncan like whenever you notice he's on you, you start clapping for the ball a little bit more aggressively.
2: (laughs) You know, usually I would, but this year he kind of like, I feel like you started on me this year for whatever reason. I don't know what that was about, (laughs) but like every time I look up, I see you guarding me
1: that actually didn't happen i i didn't that you were never my matchup matchup um obviously in transition things get mixed but i think the best example of that davis was actually <laughs> was actually in brooklyn i remember this this was last year and i think i was on you in transition or something and it was on the right or it was on the left wing we're going to pull this clip up and, and put it in <laughs> and you <laughs> The ball handler starts going away, and you just clap like yo yo, yo, yo swing it back, swing it back, and you don't get it. <laughs> and I like I like run to try to deny because I'm like I'm just not gonna let you catch, uh, just because so like just pride, obviously. I, um, and I you know I think the best. My best uh, opportunity to contain you is to just not let you touch the ball, because uh, we've already covered what what has happened um, previously in King of the Hills. But I will say, I think I've improved as a defender since that, you know, <laughs> lateral quickness and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I think you 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 definitely have improved as a defender. I think you're just not as scared to play defense now, which is good. I think that's the first step. I
1: I, I think I think people really underestimate how much, like, I don't want to say. Like, people know, offensive players know when guys don't want For to guard sure. the ball. And they, like, hunt out and For seek sure. out. And you're one of those players. I mean, I don't do this because I'm not, like, a one-on-one player. But, like, you're one of those players. I mean, I, I got to imagine when you-, you can, like, feel on the floor when someone's like, yeah, they don't want any part of this.
2: Yeah. It's mostly, like, when they're trying to deny you the ball. Like, you can tell they're not going trying to play defense. <laughs>
1: um you you mentioned it a little bit uh in terms of when you you've gone down for injuries but i want to ask you a little bit about your film study because i know you you always watch a ton of film um how have you seen that elevate your game and what is it like Talk like get into a little bit of the details of like what it is you're actually watching i know you of course you watch the games over again but like any sort of specifics or tips that you can lend? You ain't got to give away any secrets or anything, but anything that you're willing to share uh, in that regard?
2: Yeah, I watch a lot of stuff, bro. Like, um, I watch full games back. I'll Like, tomorrow we play OKC. I'll watch their last couple of games, see how certain guys have been playing, see how my matchup has been playing. Um, you know what I'm saying? But if I'm trying to improve a certain area, Like in my offensive game, I'll watch, you know, I'll watch guys and how they get to their spots. You know, I'll watch a guy like maybe CJ who, you know, isn't the most athletic, um, isn't the tallest, but he still gets a shot off um, in any situation. So I'll watch how he gets to his spots. I'll watch his footwork, Um, you know, subtle moves, subtle pump fakes and stuff like that. I'll, you know, watch how guys – operating pick and roll, operating transition. I just, I try to break down, um, you know, the simple parts of the game and try to add little parts to my game as well. Um, But I think that's been a huge part of, you know, me getting better. I think that started at Michigan, you know, that was a huge part of what we did. Uh, I think coach Val really helped me with that, you know, coach at Butler. Now he really helped me at, you know, watching film and dissecting film and kind of adding things to my game and things like that. So, um, I try to just take that and carry that along with me on my journey.
0: How much film are you watching of yourself versus competition? And the reason I ask this is I remember in summer league a couple of years ago, I went and uh saw Duncan before one of his games and he was on an iPad just watching him hit a bunch of threes. Uh, it was like, a, you know, mental preparation just to see the
1: ball Wait, go through. Hold, hold on, hold on. I <laughs> I want to address this before we get some, like, self-inflated narrative <laughs> that gets built here. It's called cybernetics, uh, and it was being used by our organization at that time, and it's basically – it's like uh, envisioning like successful outcomes. So it's like all the mm. examples of like my best reps and it would just kind of get played on loop to this like soothing music and you just watch it in loop. So okay, this, wasn't, this wasn't me just like, oh, look how good of a shooter I am, like watch me hit all these threes. No, this was like an, a, a tactical effort by the Miami Heat. Uh, it's called Cybernetics, you can look it up, but go ahead, it
0: wasn't It wasn't soothing music, it was like rain. It was like raindrops and Duncan hitting threes. That's not soothing. That's incredibly hey, I believe
2: soothing. It. I believe it, man. I believe it.
0: But are you doing something similar, Karis? Like, are you breaking down a lot of your own film as well?
2: Absolutely. For sure, for sure. Like, uh, I think I'll probably watch more of myself if I play a bad game more than I play a good game. Like, if I do stuff that I didn't like on the court, I'll probably go back and watch it um, more than if I have a great game. Um, cause I just feel like I should play a certain type of way. And if I don't play that way, then I want to see why I didn't, you know what I mean? So, um, I probably watch more of myself than I do of other people though.
1: I, I want to ask about earlier this year, we talked a little bit about your success in the bubble. Um, and then I, I remember, I think it was after we played you guys, or I can't remember when it was, but, um, At that point, you were coming off the bench, and it was kind of this like transition for you because you had just proven that, you know, basically put the whole league on notice that you're like a future all star. And then you get transitioned because it's, you know, quote unquote, what's best for the team. And and you kind of lead the second unit. What was it? What was that dynamic like? Um, obviously, that, that team has gotten so much coverage this year with those three guys in particular. But w- what, ha- what did you experience early on that year, maybe from like a personal standpoint of kind of the struggles that come with being on a team like that, that has all this media scrutiny and is, is constantly being talked about? And then, of course, for somebody like you, you're still trying to make inroads and, and improve really how good you are um, and then having to take that, like, in theory, step back of like coming off the bench.
2: That shit was tough. It was definitely tough because it was like a conflict. It was a constant battle cause, with myself because it was always like, I want to be here. You know what I'm saying? I want to prove that I'm this guy, and I want to prove that I'm getting to that level. But then it was like, the team needs you to be here. The team needs you to lead the second unit. The team needs you to be not only lead the second unit, but like be the point guard the second unit. Right. So I'm distributing. I'm getting guys shots. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even going out there really playing like how I want to play. I'm kind of going out there managing the game as a backup point guard. You know what I'm saying? So it was definitely a conflict. Um, And I think, you know, at times I didn't play the best because I was not in the right mindset. You know what I'm saying? Um, I wasn't really accepting of that role. And I can see that now that I'm, you know, removed from the situation. Um, I wasn't really accepting to that six-man come off the bench as a point guard role, that really wasn't what I was trying to do. Um, You know, and, you know, things happen. Maybe it was for the best. Obviously, at the time, um, you know, it hurt to be traded, but it was like I don't know if that was the best situation for me in my career at that point for sure.
1: Yeah, I think that also just speaks to what we've already touched on in this conversation of, like, it's so hard to play well when you're not – first of all, right in the mind or like in a situation that's Mm -hmm. conducive to your success. I want to ask you about kind of that mental performance stuff. Um, Obviously, you know, I've I've spent a lot of time around you. And and one thing I've I've really noticed is how intentional you are with your goals, uh, what you envision for yourself, what you want for yourself, where did you kind of like first hone those skills? Was it Michigan? And how have those skills and like being very intentional uh, about what it is you're going after developed over your career?
2: Yeah, it started at Michigan. I think uh, before I met Coach Beeline, I wasn't in any of that meditation or um, visualization, any of that type of stuff. But I think my first year, um, Coach Beeline had a lady come in and speak to us about it. And, like, ever since then, I kind of just do it naturally now. I meditate before games. I do visualization exercises and stuff like that. Um, and it's just, like, a part of my routine now. Um, and, like, people ask me about it, and it's just it's so normal to me. It's It doesn't even seem like a big deal anymore. Um, and I know some guys are into it. I know you kind of get into it sometimes as well. Um, but it's something that has just, like, become a part of my routine. And, I honestly, when I don't do it, I just feel off. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, for sure. As, you know, for example, like if if there's like high school players, right, listening, is that something that if you had known in your high school career, like that you would have tried to implement into your routine as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, I was watching an interview. It was like Jamal Murray. He was saying that his dad had him meditate like since he was a kid. Um, and I thought that was crazy. I saw a tennis player said the same thing, like their mom had them meditate since they were young. Um, and I was thinking like, man, I wish I was meditating when I was a kid. Cause once you get in like those deep States, it's like nothing can break your concentration. Um, and I think, you know, the, the sooner you start it, you know, the better that you become at it. Like the more you do it, it's one of those things. Like the, the more you do it, the better you become. Um, so if I, if I'm a high schooler or if I'm, you know, uh, a younger player trying to get better. I definitely would um, utilize those things for sure.
1: I uh, I want to just take it off the court for a second. You know, obviously our profession is very like high performance, high anxiety. There's a lot of stresses that come with it, you know, constantly under, you know, media ridicule, everything in between, limelight, all that stuff. What have you – what is it that you kind of, and I'm not looking for like activities or maybe I am, but like in terms of off the court stuff, what have you found has been like soul filling for you in terms of giving you like value off the court, provided you perspective off the court? Um, Are are there, are there parts of your routine parts of your day that you've implemented um, that have helped in that regard?
2: I would say just, um, Really utilizing my off days is just kicking it with my family, you know, kicking it with my little brother, making sure I, you know, spend time with him, spend time with my mom um, and really cherish those relationships. And I feel like um, that has really become part of my routine as of late, you know, as of this, you know, health scare came on because it's like basketball was kind of like everything to me before that. Like I didn't really take days off. Like I took them, but it was more so, like, I was still watching basketball all day. Everything was centered around basketball, you know what I'm saying? But uh, when that happened, it kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, so now just really just utilizing my, like I said, my off days, spending time with my family, um, giving my body time to rest, giving my mind time to rest. Um, I watch movies, read books, just – play video games, regular, regular stuff, but just getting away from the game is huge for me now for sure.
1: Love that. Um, all right, we'll, we'll start to wind down here. We have a question that we ask all of our guests. Uh, it's more to your journey. Um, I'm curious if there is a a moment or a conversation, um, or an experience that really you feel looking back served as like a, a pivotal point um, and that it you know served as a springboard for your success. Is there something that when you look at your journey because you have an incredible one that really sticks out to you?
2: Yeah, definitely. I would say when those guys, when Kevin and Kai came to the nets, I think that was a huge point in my career. Um, and I say that because seeing greatness like that, you know, every single day is just so motivating, man. like I worked out with those guys a lot. you know what I'm saying, like every day, um and to see every day how hard they go in the drills seeing how you know they never take a day off they never have like a bad day like we would have open gym in the summertime we would play and they would be themselves every day like they wouldn't really have a day where they were just like not themselves so for me that was like eye-opening because you know as a young player you you're not gonna play your best every single them dudes play their best every single day And it's like, if I want to be at that level, I have to get to that level. So that kind of just, I look at the game way different now, just having been around those dudes. And um, I'm definitely thankful for the time that I was playing with them for sure.
0: It is wild that not only are they on the same roster, but yeah, that you just get to learn from those guys. Where do you put those two? And Dunk, this is for you too. Where do you guys put those two guys in terms of like all-time
1: offensive talents? I've I think they top three. Yeah, I mean, I I think Kyrie is. I mean,
2: for me, it's like if if you if we talking just skill, if we talking skill, I would say Kyrie's the most skilled player of all time, and then I would say like uh, pound for pound or for size, Kevin is probably the most skilled. player. like, I don't yeah. think we've seen a seven footer be able to do what Kevin does. So that's why I say they top three, top five. I mean. I wouldn't say there's guys that are more skilled or better than what they do. I think there's definitely guys who are obviously have done what they've done, like, but just more skilled or being able to do more with the basketball than they they can do, I don't think that we've seen that.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you can look at, like, numbers or championships and make an argument that someone's better or this or that, but in terms of ability, it's like – I watch I watch Kyrie and it's like it's almost like he on purpose makes the game like more challenging for himself just because he can. Like I'm going to do this and then mm-hmm. shoot a, and then shoot this lefty floater on the right side off the glass just because I can. Like I probably could have just got to the rim and like laid it in also, but it's like I'm just going to do this because I'm capable of doing it. And he's like I don't want to say one of one, but like he's he is in a very very small category of people that are that can do like his finishing ability is handle all that the way he moves i mean yeah it's it's i i agree with what karis is saying for sure um yeah. they're certainly up there all right let's let's get to our undrafted segment we'll wrap it up here we'll let you go uh you got a big one tomorrow so we'll let you uh get to bed here but uh not that it's that late it's, it's like 8 p.m um <laughs> but it's uh we got our undrafted segment i'm gonna lead it off here so you uh you really made the late night workouts a staple at michigan um that was kind of like your go-to i just all the time you were you were in there um you know past midnight i'm curious if there's an artist that you particularly enjoy listening to while working out uh once again this is an underrated undrafted underappreciated artist i don't want to hear drake uh I, w- I want something good
2: Ooh, i love music man Un. If I would say underrated artist, I would say my man, Jay Critch. My man, Jay Critch out of, out of New York. Wow. Okay. Shout out, to, shout out my man, Jay Critch.
1: Jay Critch can love the long yeah. shot podcast. <laughs> He'd love to
0: see it. I'm going to be completely honest. I for don't sure. know who that is, so it's a great answer because it's, a, 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 yeah, it's need to, underrated. you yeah, you
2: need to put some Jay Critch in your right, playlist. Right, Jay Critch is Bye.
1: certainly undrafted. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> I'm in. Great answer. For sure. All right, Karis, I got the next one. Uh we know you're Midwest born and raised. You're now back in the Midwest. So the next one for you here is an underrated Midwest City.
1: You basically just Ooh. can't say Chicago because everyone <laughs> loves Chicago.
2: Does everybody love Chicago? Yes. Uh, I
1: mean, great opportunity to shout out your I new NBA okay. City,
2: but <laughs> <laughs> why you do that though? Like why you just <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, used to, you used to take some trips to Detroit. That could be a good one too. Yeah, we'll
2: say Detroit. We'll say Detroit. We'll say Detroit, Michigan.
1: I know. It's I know New you New got New some. I know you got some people in Detroit. I, you know, I'm just trying to help you out, man. <laughs> these are these are tough questions. You know, these, yeah, aren't your, these, these are these, these aren't, the aren't your everyday media questions, man. We're putting your feet to the fire. Um, all right.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go to Detroit.
1: This one, uh, you can pick one. This person from any point in your career so you could even shout out a high school teammate college teammate obviously an nba teammate is is more than welcome as well i want to know a teammate of yours that you feel just was really good and just never got the love he deserved
2: Ooh, never got any love or didn't get the didn't get the love. No, nah, just just. Bite. I mean,
1: no, no. Just like they can get love, but just like you know, un- they they were underappreciated. Like their value to the team, they they don't Okay. Yeah, it doesn't have to be me. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, feels like he wants him to. See me I actually don't. I actually it. don't want it to be me. Okay, good.
2: It's, it would never be. You.
1: All right. Well, <laughs> I made I made the rules that it can't be me. So ah. there you go. I'm
2: gonna go high school. I'm gonna go my boy, uh, my boy Chad Nelson. So
1: if you're watching, Chad, 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 Chad can hoop hoop.
2: for sure. Chad would, Chad never got the, he never got the love he deserved. Chad used to, he
1: he used to bust Andrew Dockage's ass in three on three. So (laughs) Chad, if you're listening, if you're listening to this, uh, you never got the, I think he played what he played division two, right? He did. Yeah. Yeah um no chad can hoop for sure that, that's a great answer chad nelson uh i hope you're a fan of the long shot or i hope you're tuning into this one at least because your boy's on it um all right well this has been fun man we appreciate you taking the time um a lot of gems in this one appreciate you opening up appreciate you shining shining some light on your journey and also what makes you uh you know such a such a high level player so thanks for taking the time man uh it was well worth the wait took a little while to get you on here but i'm i'm, I'm happy that we finally did
2: Yeah, no doubt, thanks for having me.